0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of Bermanology on Letterman Row. I am your host, Jeremy Birmingham. Today, I am joined by a guy most of you probably recognize uh, Fox sports analyst, Big Ten network analyst, Urban Meyer, formerly uh, head coach of a college football team in Ohio, Columbus. Uh, Coach, I thank you really uh, greatly for taking some time to just sit down and talk. I'm sure that you, like everyone else, are kind of foaming at the mouth a little bit for sports um, in the middle of this pandemic and um how are you holding up how has how this really bizarre time in human history been affecting you and your family
1: well i'm in a much different phase of my life and time of my life and so my thoughts are really not with football and it's for getting this place going again you know i love this country so much that uh you know i've always been a huge proponent of the men and women who serve our country um I have more time on my hand and, and we, every time I've traveled abroad, I just can't wait to get home. So I have such confidence in our country that's going to come back. Think about 9 11. I was a head coach at Bowling Green and the horrific thing happened in New York City with the Twin Towers getting hit by those buildings. And my focus then was on getting our players, making sure their families are okay. Do we get on a plane and go play South Carolina that time? And, and now, uh, we are impacted very little. We're very humbled to say that we're in Florida with our Gigi and Brian. And, and uh, other than in the morning when I get, I, I have, a you know, just a habit of reading about 30, 45 minutes, as much news as I can. And then I turn on news at night and it's like, you know, we're, we're not experiencing that at all. Isn't and it, I, back I'm in those sorry. days.
0: No, go ahead. Uh, uh, let me, no, no, I'll, you're good.
1: You're good, Jeremy. Back
0: in, in 2001, I mean, as a country, when when that happened and certainly – we're talking about major world-changing events, but the the return to sports was so important for people to, to normalize, to, to get back to regular life. Um, I mean, the, the iconic image of, of President Bush throwing out the first pitch at the Yankees game and, you know, the decision – all of the college football stadiums around the country with the giant flags and, you know, getting back to real life. I think that's what people – want sports the most right because it it provides us some sense of not necessarily escapism from the troubles of real life but it it, it gives you a sense of like hey things are normal
1: well in in 2001 i very remember very clearly the mantra was don't let them win you can't let these horrific people these murderers win You, you know they they tried to all they did is anger uh a bunch of americans and and uh you know bin laden finally got got it and then Uh, So, uh, so yeah, it was the the battle cry was don't let them win. Let's get back to normalcy as much as we can. You know, it it was the loss of loved ones and the loss of life was uh, tragic, uh, but we had a responsibility. I felt that as a coach, I felt that we have to, first of all, make sure the health and welfare and safety of our players, our families, our families, but also we have a job to do. And that's to bring normalcy back to these people that are, that are hurting. And so I feel the same responsibility here. And, uh, obviously, I'm not coaching, but um, we do have to get back to normal. We can't let the virus win and and this is a different enemy you know the enemy we knew who it was this one's as it's the it's the the enemy you can't see
0: right
1: and i have i have, I know very few people that have experienced it I know very few people that have I don't know anyone has lost life because of it mm-hmm. and uh, but you certainly prayers are what those people what I, I have known and I still know many many many. Uh, that have lost their, their <laughs> earning a living. Right. And yeah. as a result, like we talked prior to this phone call, I mean, there's going to be repercussion that I didn't even really think about. Shelly is a psychiatric nurse, and she is an expert in this. So I, I stand behind her when she says, the, we, we have to get these things moving, uh, obviously in the best interest of the health of people, but also the mental health, the financial health, you're talking about they were talking about there could be more people lost from alcoholism and suicide and depression and drug addiction than the virus and i, I never even thought about that
0: and, and so this is uh this
1: is complicated
0: it ties in uh, very well with with ryan day and nina and the things that they do with mental health and and that's why ryan you know I, i'm sure you've seen the stuff that comes out of ohio state and other colleges around the country these coaches are getting in the forefront of this and, and stepping up and, and having conversations about people's mental health and trying to, I don't know, provide a sense of, of calm for people. How, how do you think that you would handle this differently or how do you think you would have handled this situation
1: if it happened two years ago? Oh, it's I, I talked to Ryan uh, several times a week and, and he's doing a great job. It's To me, it's all about number one has always been about the health and welfare of your student athletes. That's number one by far. Then now you got start thinking about families and, and, and that, but then also there's the real there you're, you're hired at Ohio state and it's a very serious job at Ohio state. Um, and that's have a, not a good, the one thing that Ohio state is good and pretty good and even great are good enough. Right. And you have a job to do and that's compete at the highest level. And that's what they're doing. This, uh, someone said, uh, a friend of mine said Ohio State's winning the recruiting battle, and they're, you know, they're they're beating the C nineteen the virus. And how are they doing it? They're recruiting their tails off. Do you know why? Because that's their job. And when you recruit at a place like when you work at a place like Ohio State, that's why Ryan Day gets it. His staff gets it. Um, they're out there grinding. The health and well being of their players number one. But I'll tell you what, they got a serious job to do, and they're doing it as well as any. They're doing it better than anybody in America right now.
0: Yeah, we. I joked with uh, Zach Boren and I were talking on one of the Letterman Row shows last week, and, and he basically said, you know, there's all this stuff going on, all these reasons, all these excuses. Kids can't work out. They can't be here. They can't be there. But the reality is, come September or November or whenever the regular season kicks off for Ohio State and the rest of the country, if the Buckeyes go out and lose to Oregon, nobody's going to give them an excuse, right? I mean, the expectation is still there to go win every game.
1: Yeah, every uh – uh whether it be corporate America uh, or athletic teams, teams are going to come out of this stronger than, than an animal, stronger than a bull. And those are the ones that take advantage. I was actually with my son-in-law, and he works for Pfizer and pharmaceutical sales. And I said, there are going to be companies across. It happened in '08. It happens whenever there's a, a serious downturn that you're going to see plywood put up in certain organizations and weeds starting to grow in the parking lots because their company's out of business. And you're going to see certain athletic teams that are going to flourish because the culture is so strong, the leadership is so strong that they're looking at this as an opportunity to get better. And that's exactly what Ohio State's done in recruiting. You know, they're doing some uh, virtual uh, visits, and, and, and uh, Mark Pantoni and his staff are, are incredible. They're looking at this, and, and you have to. Once again, I, I don't want to dehumanize what's going on because that is sure. the absolute number one. But remember, we have a job to do. People have jobs to do, and the job at Ohio State is very serious. When I hear someone, well, it's only football. That's not true. That is that you've never been to Ohio State or uh, the Horseshoe. It's not just football. It's the face of the university. It's a, a very proud alumni base. Very proud former players. It's very, very important. And those guys take that job very important. They're doing excellent.
0: For for you, I mean, these last this last year, this last fifteen months has obviously had to have been very different. I mean. You go from, from being at the top of the profession in college football to working as an analyst and doing a great job. I mean, you you obviously hear the even fans of other schools around the country who compliment you on, on the work you do for Fox. And I assume that has to feel a little bit good. But have you been able to find that competitive, that edge that, you, that I mean, that's what you're known for more than anything, I guess, over the years is finding a way to create a competitive edge, even if there was reason for complacency or possibility of it. How have you managed to find that in, in restaurant ownership, in media work and that kind of stuff? Where have you been able to, to
1: find that? Well, my sister and I had a lot of talk about that. And she's the associate provost of Cincinnati, and she had some opportunities to go become a president. And I, I asked her one time, I said, can you really be okay with not doing that? Maybe saying I could be in a great president of the university. And she goes, I'm in a different chapter of my life. And that's kind of to say, have I found the same? Not even close. You know, I, uh, there's not, it's not as some people used to say, and I don't mind them saying It's fourth and one every day around me when I was a coach. Uh, there, it's not fourth and one every day for me now. It's uh, a chance to be a grandfather and I, I take great pride in being the best grandfather I can be a husband of our 31st year together. It's a chance to give back to community. It's a chance to uh, kind of enjoy life a little bit. Uh, it's a chance to support a university that I love Ohio state in a different role. So uh, no, it, it, it's not the same. Uh, am I satisfied? That's another question. And at this point I am. Uh, but I, the fact that Ohio state is thriving, There's such a warm piece about knowing Mm -hmm. that we came in, we were hired when a a program, you know, it was no one's fault, but they lost seven games. Uh, They were in, you know, Jim Trussell, excellent coach, great friend, uh, Luke Fickle, great friend, great coach. But there was some decisions made uh, where a bunch of players were suspended and we can peel that Band-Aid back again. We're not going to do that. But all of a sudden here you are eight years later and it's, you know, it's been at the top of the pyramid. You know, we one. We, I hear people. Uh, one person said, "Boy, we should have won more national championships." Sure, you should win them all at Ohio State. You know, when you lose one game, that's one game. Gene Smith and I talked about that in 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 the expectation of the head coach. It says, I remember when I saw it. Win every game you play, and wow. that's yeah. how many how many how many schools can say that? To you? On one hand, you can say that. On one hand, you can say that you're working at a place that you're expected to win every game, uh, graduate every player, uh, have no off-the-field issues, and they all go to the NFL. And by the way, beat your rival every year. But you know what? That's why Ryan was the perfect guy for the job. That's why there's very few that can do it, and uh, we got one.
0: How did you know that Ryan Day was that guy? I mean, he went from being, I don't want to say a a no-name, but for the majority of – average football fans, as a guy who was working in San Francisco as a quarterback coach and in Philadelphia as a quarterback's coach in the NFL, to be plucked by you, I mean, you had set the expectations somewhat with Tom Herman when you hired him out of Iowa State that you had the eye for for talent like that as a coach. But what makes a guy different? I mean, what makes someone like Ryan Day or Tom Herman, when you see them or talk to them, how do you know that that dude is just a slightly different level than other guys?
1: Well, I'd put Kyle Whittingham at Utah in that category. I'd put Dan Mullen at Florida in that category. Steve Adazio, who's now at Colorado State. You know, we've had some very successful – Luke Fickle. You know, Luke Fickle had – you know, he just had some growing pains and took over a terrible situation. Well, look at the job he's doing. Look at Mike Vrabel. Uh, So I've been very fortunate to be around some of those guys, and Tom Herman fit that, and and so did uh, Ryan. Uh, When I hired Tom Herman, he was – you know, I remember Gene even asking me, I mean, can he do this? And I didn't hire a guy like Tom Herman to come and run Iowa State's offense. I heard he had the reputation of being very intelligent, a very eager, very good fundamental coach, uh, a guy that really was an uh, expert at the no huddle, which I we needed because I was not. But they were going to run Ohio State. We were going to run Ohio State's offense, right. which is our offense, that we were not going to change. We're going to make it better, which he did. And then, same thing with Ryan Day. Ryan Day, I remember when I first hired him, they were very bad at the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And then the year before they got, so they got fired two years in a row right. at, the, at the Eagles. And I remember people asking me, what are you doing? And are you sure you know what you're not, not really challenging me if I know what I'm doing, because I've made some pretty good hires, but. Sure. But I to hire a
0: 38 year old who'd been fired two straight years was a bit of a risk, right?
1: Right. And, and, and I hired him because I knew him from 05. I know he worked with Steve Adagio for several years. He worked with Chip Kelly, who I still have tremendous respect for Chip. And I know Ryan. We, I actually went sat in his quarterback meetings for the Eagles. And so very impressive guy. Uh, he comes in, and to say he surprised me, I don't think surprise is the right word, but exceeded my expectations. He was really, really good, bordering on great. And uh, as we continued on our journey, it became apparent he was great. Not good. Not very good. He was elite and uh, had a chance to leave after his first year. And that's when I actually went to Gene and went to the president of the university and said, I think we found our next coach. Because I knew, you know, just with the surgery I had in 2014, I was not going to do this for I'm 70 years old. Right. And as important to me, because it was my home school and a school that I loved dearly, that part of a leadership, a good leadership strategy is succession. and I found it and I made that perfectly clear to everybody.
0: Do you feel that right now, part of that, you know, you mentioned the word satisfaction, if you're satisfied with life and then would you feel that same satisfaction if Ohio state had backslid or would you? No, no,
1: no, no, I'd feel awful. And that was part of the problem. that happened in Florida. You know, one of the issues that, you know, Florida, when I left, I love Florida and, and we worked so hard, won two national titles there and, and uh we didn't leave on a thirteen one season, we we're eight and five and and uh we are an excellent coach and Will Champ, but some things happened and offensively they really struggled. So yeah, I I felt but I was back to work. You know, I went back to Ohio State so I really didn't you know, I didn't follow it as closely because I was so busy. But no, to sit right here and say that Ohio State was seven and five or or struggling in recruiting or having academic issues or you know, all the things that are expected to be great at Ohio State. No it, it would be uh, it would be it would feel awful
0: when you made that decision to go back to coaching after the 2011 season, it seems to me as somebody who and I've, I'm an avid recruiting follower and and been doing this on professional basis now for a decade but it seemed like there was a conscientious decision on your part to recruit different kids to recruit different families to recruit differently. And, is there any part of this, what I'm, what I'm. this is just conjecture on my part, that part of the reasoning when you decided to leave Florida was that you were just ready to go somewhere that maybe you could do that and you could recruit differently. Was there any, any, any pull to be like, Hey, I can start over with my idea of what it takes to be a winning program.
1: Yeah. I think it's well documented. And, and I think, uh... A little over well documented that we had some uh player arrests at florida and, and i've seen the number like for some reason the number kept growing even after i was gone so you know i i we we had some a lot of them were dropped a lot of them were very minor a lot of them was silly stuff and then some were serious and we handled serious ones. and and i know people once again that narrative starts going wild one player arrested is too many Right. And, you know, the SEC had several schools that had far too many of that stuff going on. And, and so I made a decision. We had a, a young man that uh, actually committed suicide. I kicked him off the team. And a year later, he went to another school. And, and that's I, I made the decision that at that time. I would never get rid of a player. And I just would not. I, and I took heat for it about giving second, third chances and putting him in counseling and doing the very best we could. To, because it was, I felt it was a war zone out there. I never experienced anything like that in my life. And uh, so we made that decision, but that that really then my impact of stepping away was you know I just and I and when I did step away I knew about a month into it two months into it that I wasn't done. Yeah, I remember telling Shelly that I'm and I'm not felt that way yet here uh, at this time in my life. So I knew that uh, uh, I was going to go back. But to answer your question, I did. I, I really spent a lot of time evaluation, self evaluation and maybe not take as many ask risk. You know, I more relied on our assistant coaches and, and uh, you know, because a lot of times you recruit a player and then you find out, you know, or they, they are at risk at times. Well, they're going to go play your, at your opposition. Right. That was, a, that was a problem with me. You know, I, am I going to let this kid go to Florida State or Alabama or another program uh, and play against him because he's a great, great player, and I really had a – a strong sense that with our weight coach and with our, you know, our player development program, we could change these, change people. And for a large degree we did. Obviously in some instances we did not. So at at Ohio State it was very clear though that uh, we were going to have set criteria. And for the most part, we've done that. And it's been a a relatively good ride.
0: It's sort of one of the unfair aspects of of the job, I guess, is that you have a hundred kids on your team and, if there's one problem or one kid who makes a poor decision, it seems like coaches are often judged by that 1% instead of the other 99%. But I guess that's part of what you sign up for.
1: Yeah. It's it's depend on who's done the judge. You know, once again, I, I, you know, I, for the most part, no one judges you like that at all, but there's right. a handful of people with a microphone in their hand and a uh, uh, pencil in their hand. And that's, you know, that's, they got to write about, you know, well, it's so-and-so's fault that you no, know, it's the person's fault who did whatever they did.
0: Right.
1: Oh, that's, it's, uh, it's not novel. It's not personal responsibility, is kind of how we're created. So, no, I, I don't, you know, once again, that's to have a handful of people, especially when, you know, and Ryan's going to experience that. Yeah. Nick Saban experience. So when you win a lot of games, there's constant scrutiny over how you do it or whatever they can um, uh, find a story in.
0: As a recruiter, you had one of the greatest recruiting classes in modern history in 2009. I mean, shoot, you probably had three of them 2008, 2009, 2010 at Florida. And then you had the 2013 class and 2017 class at Ohio State. 2014 class was great. What is the, is there one guy in your history of recruiting where you're like, I can't believe we won that
1: battle? Yeah, there's two of them. Uh, It was Von Bell and Raekwon McMillan. And that's when the Real Life Wednesdays kind of took over. And that's when I knew that we – we it's at a whole different stratosphere right now. For Ohio State to go into Georgia and go beat the SEC, and, and I mean you're talking about one of the best players in America that time, and everybody wanted him badly. Right. Two you, know, so sometimes, you know, sometimes like a, a Bosa, that was a great recruiting battle, but we had a little hook there. You know, the, right, the Coomero The hookup was and, and his mother – is from Ohio, an Ohio State grad. And and so there was zero hook at all with Rayquan McMillan and Von Bell, two great, great high school football players. And I'll never forget when they both – I was walking around the practice field. I think it was bowl practice, and I had the phone in my hand during practice. That tells you how serious it is because you know how I am at practice. Right. I was waiting for the word on Raquan McMillan. And finally, I mean, we're right in the middle of it. And I look over and Mark Pantone raises his arms when we got Raquan. And then uh, with Vaughn Bell, I was actually on the treadmill when he called me and uh, told me, And I remember I almost fell off the treadmill because th- those were two that, you know, you can take Zeke Elliott, Mike Thomas, and all these other great, great players. But it was almost illogical for Ohio State to go deep into the South and beat All the Southern schools on two of those uh, great, great players.
0: On the flip side of that, is there one or two guys that you remember? Like, how the hell did we lose that one? Or that that maybe stung you in a different way?
1: Yeah, when you lose a guy from Ohio, that breaks your heart. You know, we lost Jackson Carmen, And there's a lot, you know, I think he's going to be a heck of a player. I'm trying to think who else would just broke. Oh, the guy that I thought we had, Donovan People Jones. His mother is awesome. His father went to med school to team up north, and I mean, I still think that I, that guy should be a top ten draft pick. I think he's that good. He won't be.
0: I, I took a lot of heat but, on Twitter a few months ago when he declared for the draft because I said he should be a top fifteen pick. Uh,
1: no, there's, no I coached against him. He's one of the best punt returners. You know, I don't want to get into did they use him right all that because sure. I, I don't know all that. But Donovan People Jones in high school football was one of the best receivers I've ever ever seen. And a terrific student, terrific leader, great mom. And we left his house, me, Carrie Combs. And we got in that car. And we, by the way, had to drive. It was a, no, a snowstorm. Yeah, I A remember. blizzard. And Kerry was going to kill you know, I wasn't going to let him kill me that night. But we both thought we had him. And uh, when he said he went he went up there, that uh, that broke my heart. Because I thought, I, I still have great respect for him.
0: Last thing, uh, Coach, and I'll let you get out of here. I, I could probably do this all day, but... As somebody who's now removed from the recruiting minutia, the day-to-day, what was the one or two rules that you would have liked to have seen changed or parts of the process that you uh, found yourself feeling disenchanted with?
1: Well, the whole early – everybody started pushing it up. The early commitments, early visits. You know, you have kids uh, that aren't good enough visiting Ohio State in spring and because you have to. Right. You have kids that uh will be good enough aren't yet because their bodies haven't matured yet that should be visiting Ohio State, but they're committing to lower programs. And I I could care less about everything other than that young person has a four year window in his life or her life in college athletics to go to the best place for them. And why would you why how dare you try to speed that up for people? Let them take their time. Let them, you know, people are filling up on commitments, feel people are filling up on, and there's going to be too many mistakes made, and now the transfer is going to be that one-time transfer rule. I bet that passes. You know, you're going to see more and more transfers because kids are going to – they're picking school so early now. And uh, and coaches are forced to their hand when a head coach at a top-five program should have the luxury of watching a player play a senior year right? and making the decision if they're good enough to play. Because there's only one thing worse – and, and, and this is something I would mind you repeating. There's only one thing worse than not getting a scholarship at Ohio State if you want to go to Ohio State. There's only one thing worse, and that's going, and you're not near good enough. So, Okay, I'm going to say that again. There's only I, 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 players, or say Alabama, say Clemson, and it's your dream school. There's only one thing worse than not getting that offer, and that's getting the offer and going, and you're not good enough. I mean, and is significantly not good enough. And then, you you know, you start facing, you know, it's terrible. That's a lot of tough How does conversations, that right.
0: Do you put the blame for that on, not necessarily the blame, but I guess do you put the onus for that happening on, on coaches of mid-major programs who are trying to force the envelope or more on the media that has turned the recruiting into what it is today?
1: I don't put blame on anybody. I think it's just the nature of the beast. I think college football has become such a polarizing, and so is recruiting very polarizing. But I can tell you, I was the head coach of mid-major in Utah, and I was the biggest fan in the world of early signing because I wanted to get these kids locked up and not let USC and UCLA beat me on them. And then I would even tell our staff that I had one kid decommit, go to USC, and and I said, well, they should do that. And they're like, the coaches got mad at me, and I said, well, what would you do? That that player had if that player is good enough to go to USC and he's from Southern California and we're in the WAC conference, he should go to USC. Right. Absolutely. That player has one swing at life as a major college athlete. Go win a national championship at USC. There's that's what this is that's what America's all about. Uh, so that's the only thing. Well,
0: look, man, I really do appreciate you taking time. I, I told you I'd try to keep this short and I've doubled the time that I was planning on, but Thank you so much, Coach Meyer, for for taking time. That's Urban Meyer. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This has been Bermanology on Leatherman Row. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.